And I've wanted to talk about his life a little bit this month. I, I have a little favorite towards him. He's a runner. He ran a 421 mile as a high schooler. It was the national record that held for 19 years. Uh, he was a real maverick as a kid, very defiant, uh, was arrested on several occasions. Uh, I find his life intriguing. And he almost lived to be a centenarian. He passed away last spring at age 97. And uh, just a tremendous man and American. And so I've wanted this month to focus on him. The book and film is called Unbroken. Uh, I want to show you a different clip that I didn't show last week. All of our clips have been generously, I'm not exaggerating, generously provided by Bayside of Granite Bay. These are authentic interviews that their pastor, Ray Johnston, did with Louis last spring before he passed away. This is just a clip to help you get to know him and his Hollywood home in uh, Hollywood. <laughs> in the hills above the Los Angeles skyline is a home belonging to a guy that one person said is the greatest of the greatest generation. His address, 2338 Holly Ridge Drive. His name, Louis Zamperini. Everybody down here knows that name because the local airport's named after him. We have the chance to go meet him and interview him, and I'm like a kid in a candy store. I can't wait. Let's go meet him. The house is full of antiques, including me. When you walk into Louis Zamperini's house, you walked into what feels like a museum. The room is packed with memories, pictures, a recent letter from Billy Graham, and then there are countless souvenirs from the prison camps where he spent two horrific years. This is the, the fork I used. It's a bamboo fork. Louis still has his old brass belt buckle from his prisoner of war days. I'm surprised the Japanese didn't take it away from me because they were short of brass. Right in the middle of Louis's living room are five torches. We asked Louis about them. Well, these are the, the five torches I carried. It was so cool. We had to get a picture with Louis and those Olympic torches. Okay, so that gives you just a little introduction to Louis. Uh, what has really uh, begged an answer for me is based on one of my personal core values uh, is this, by grace alone, I go forward. It's a personal core value. It's only by God's grace that uh, I'm able to be uh, anything that is um, commendable by God, that is, is commendable by my wife and my kids, where I get to, I feel like any, any success or anything I do that's good is by God's grace alone, personal value. And as I looked at Louie's life, I was asking the question, how does a guy go from being unconscious, unconscious in the middle of his B-24 fuselage that is sinking quickly into the Pacific, how do you go from unconscious to surviving that accident? How do you do that? Moreover, how do you show the kind of patience that Laura Hillenbrand captured that Louis showed uh, Mac, whom you're going to hear about in just a moment? Mac was guilty, I'll talk about it a little bit later, of actually consuming all of their military-issued survival Hershey bars. I know that sounds kind of funny, but they provided them with a very high cocoa um, high-caloric Hershey bar, military issue, to help them survive. And one of his officers, one, one of only three people that survived that accident on the Hornet, that B-24 that went down, he consumed them all. 
And the way Louis graciously dealt with him, just, it, it amazed me. And my question was, how do, you, how do you do that? And the answer in the Bible is this. You do it by grace. You become a gracious recipient. You become a grace giver. And the word for grace in the Bible is charis. It, it's kind of a, 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 a word that sounds like its meaning. It's that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, and sweetness. It's goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Uh, this word, I think, really captures uh, Louis's ability to survive the, uh, the dissension of his B-24 into the Pacific when he was knocked out cold, uh, wrapped and trapped in the wiring of that fuse lodge. He was able to survive, and he was able to show tremendous grace to his Sergeant Mack. Check this out as he explains surviving the crash. Well, he hit the water, the, the, the raft, and I went under the tripod, jammed under. The raft under my belly, hitting the deck. My back is up in the tripod. I couldn't move, couldn't budge. So I thought, well, this is it. There's no way I can get out of this, so I'm dying. I took a breath of air from the top, and I began to sink, and then I felt uh, uh, my ears pop, which meant I was down 20 feet. And so I knew this was it. I just, I just said to myself, God help me. I thought, now I'm still sinking to greater depths. I had a, 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 about a, one or two seconds of, um, call it euphoria. I thought, God, this is the afterlife. And then I started fighting for air. Then I had to find a way to get out of the plane, and so I swallowed gas and oil and blood. And when I got to the top, I threw it all up. And I tried to swim to the raft, but the currents took it away faster than I could swim. I thought, well, we're all dead without a raft. But on the raft, they have a parachute cord about 100 feet long. I looked down, there it was. I just grabbed the last two feet, reeled the raft in, and then got to my buddies. And uh, then I heard a kind of a gargling sound, somebody trying to say something. I couldn't see anything. But somehow, Somebody else was alive, probably all broken up, just barely got to the surface and was trying to say something, but you couldn't. It was not audible. And then we looked around and we didn't see anybody. So whoever it was just got his head out of the water and, blah, 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 and then he's gone. Now, whether he sank or a shark took him, we don't know. But that was kind of sad. And then, uh, so, so the three of us settled back on the raft. Then the uh, tail gunner, he was, a, he was a total loss. All of a sudden, he's up on his knees and he's screaming, we're going to die, we're all going to die. I said, come on, Mac, nobody's going to die, settle down. Well, he kept screaming. So I tried to use psychology on him. It didn't work. So I just turned my back on him and I came around with a backhand with the knuckles across his face. Knocked him flat on his fanny, and uh, he lay there in complete contentment. Best thing I ever did for him. <laughs> I think they called it applied psychology.
That's my favorite part. <laughs> Don't you want to be around someone that has that kind of confidence in, in tough situations? I, I know I'm, I'm a wimp. I remember coming back this year from our Christmas vacation. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to share this, and I'll do better next time. But, boy, that flight out of Denver, I just wasn't ready for that. I, if you've done this, if you've had that flight, hats off to you. But, you know, you come up. It was, it was windy, and you come up out of the Denver International Airport, and, you know, there's a lot of turbulence. I swear our plane dropped. It felt like a mile out of the sky. It was probably a yard. <laughs> but I just was like, I, I said out loud in the plane, and I, I see a couple pilots here right now. I said out loud in the plane, I said, that, that's not good. <laughs> and my wife said, shh, we don't say that. Oh, and I asked my sons, did you feel like that? And they're like, yeah, what was the big deal? Oh, I, I'm a wimp. I needed, I needed to be socked up around the mouth with, with Louie's knuckles, didn't I? Boy, I want to talk about this question. You, you heard Louie say it, and I wonder why it happens, I think, throughout our lives. But Louie said that he, when he surfaced in, near where that B-24 went down, he, uh, he saw two feet of the end of this 100-foot uh, uh, parachute cord, and he grabbed it. Yeah, he just grabbed it. And I thought, man, what are the odds of that? Well, you know, there, there are, there are, that's why, you know, the, the parachutes were there, uh, probably for the pilots and or the plane. Uh, but he, it was there, and he had the present sense to grab it, and uh, how did he get, he, he's asked, Hillenbrand asked him, how did you get out of the wiring of that B-24 fuselage? And he said in, in her biography, I don't know. For some reason, I just got loose. How does that stuff happen? And I realize there's, you know, there's a lot of physics that you can look into, a lot of math probability. But I just want to argue that there are some times where we just survive certain situations. Let me ask you, do you, did you or do you know someone that survived a complicated birth? They shouldn't be alive, but they are today. Did, do you know someone or have you personally experienced a car accident that you walked away from but you shouldn't have? Uh, do you know someone who uh, should have died in surgery, but they didn't? It was amazing how they came through it. I ask these questions because I think they really speak to what, what the Bible talks about living a life uh, of grace looks like. I want to answer this question this morning. How do I live a life where I'm always looking for a cord? How do I live a life where I'm always faithful and believing enough that no matter how hard things get, that... I'm looking for a cord in every situation. And, of course, the I'm going to walk in front of this uh, speaker here, Dan. You'll have to help me. But, of course, the, the most important wrath that we all have has its origin in this event. Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth, and he was referring to this execution apparatus, I'm going to draw all men to me. And we're taught that our trust in that event completely expunges us 
completely pardons us from all sin, past, present, and future. It's a complete pardon, even though we still mess up each and every day. Maybe even on the way here, you lost your temper with somebody. Isn't it great that you can do that and still enjoy holding onto the cord? <laughs> our, our raft, our salvation is in that cross. And the, the Bible teaches us a very important doctrine about Christianity that is differentiating, differentiating from other religions. The Bible teaches that it is by grace that we have been saved. This comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's in page 811 in our Adventure Bibles. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves. You were provided a cord. All you had to do is reach out and accept it. It's not of yourselves. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And then Paul says, not by works so that no man can boast. Critical teaching in Christianity is that you don't earn this, you just grab it. In fact, the high danger lifestyle is believing you earn it and you work your way to get it. It's dangerous. Romans chapter 11 teaches that. Teaches that that's why some of the Jews failed to have a, a real faith. It was because they believed that their, their being saved was based on their own work and their efforts. This is something someone does for you. This is something you don't do for yourself. You just grab the cord. You may be here. You've never had Christianity explained like that to you. It, Christianity confuses you. It, it seems religious. Folks, I want to tell you, it's about a relationship with that guy on that raft and trusting him. I'll give you a chance today, perhaps, to grab that cord for the first time. Uh, the first step of living a life of grace is taking hold of the rope. And there are a lot of ways we do that. I don't think that we're saved just, uh, just at Calvary, although that's the most important event uh, to provide us a, a cornerstone for personal change, transformation, uh, real life, real life abundance. But there are other examples in our life where God just steps in in ridiculous ways, and I think these are seen in the Scriptures. Here are a few that come, come to mind. You are maybe familiar with the story in the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 23, verse 16. When the son of Paul's sister hears of a plot, uh, when the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul, more than 40 men were involved in this plot. So 40 guys make a commitment, we're not eating or drinking until we kill Paul. You know, if you're dieting this month, you know that's a big commitment. They, they made a decision, we're going to kill him first. And Paul, if you're not familiar with him, he, he was the most influential Christian of the first century besides Jesus. Well, what happens is that God provides Paul a cord, a rope. This is what happens. His nephew, the son of his sister, according to Luke, one of Paul's associates who wrote Acts, it's, Luke wrote that when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. The coincidence of him hearing this, being at the right place at the right time, was just perfect. I am arguing that God is saving us all the time in these unique coincidences. Uh, the Scriptures teach in Hebrews, which is a letter written by one of 
Paul's associates, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There are angels that are at work to protect your life. And there are angels that are at work to ensure that you're, according to the Psalms, that your step sometimes is even secure. Now, I've twisted my ankle hundreds of times. Angels, I don't think they're sleeping, but maybe they thought I needed a little humility. But they're watching to care for me. And so often, we will be uh, rescued in certain circumstances. We hear about them all the time through uh, our adventure family. Um, where um, special things happen. We're excited, actually. One of our sisters has been at UC Davis all week with lots of complications. We are delighted, though, that her chronic migraines have not come back. And if any of you have had those, you know how, how, how difficult those are to deal with. We're excited that with the difficulty this week, she's experiencing so far some healing. We pray it continues. Remember Tanya in your prayers, if you would. But I want to add one more as it relates to taking hold of the rope of grace. I think this is a critical one. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It's related to temptation. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He will provide you a way out. I love that. That tells me that when I'm facing two doors, the door of what is good or mediocre living, mediocrity, and the door that is God-planned, God-designed, that's best for me, that God will provide me a cord, a rope, or a door of escape so that I will ensure that I make the very best decision for the way I'm wired, for my wife and family, even for my friends and loved ones. He is always there to provide me a door of escape, a cord, that I'll make a good decision. Today, I'm telling you, how do you live a life of grace? Number one, you, you look for and you take hold of the cord or the rope that's provided for you all the time. You look for God in little things. You look for him to provide you uh, opportunity. You don't get nervous and break down like Sergeant Mack did. This is what happened. Uh, the... Uh, pockets in the rafts contained some survival provisions. According to Hillenbrand, whatever was in them was what they'd have. And Louie untied, he was a real caretaker. He untied the, the, the uh, packet flaps and uh, looked inside. He found several thick chocolate bars, probably the Hershey's uh, Company military issue uh, ration D bars. You can see them up on the screen. That's as close to the military issue that we could find. They're divided into segments and packaged in wax-dipped containers to resist gas attack. Uh, designed to be in, in unpalatably bitter so the soldiers would eat them only in dire circumstances. They were... F- Boy, I could use some of that chocolate in my home. Uh, they were formulated to be highly caloric and melt-resistant. The package instructions said that each man was to be given... Two segments a day, one in the morning, one in the evening, to be held on the tongue and allowed to dissolve over 30 minutes. Well, days later, Louis decided to divvy up breakfast, a single square of chocolate. He untied the raft uh, package and, uh, or pocket and looked in. All of the chocolate was gone. 
He looked around the rafts. He had two guys that he was with, his surviving uh, commanding uh, pilot, uh, Phil, and then Mac, one of the other gunners. And uh, the tail gunner uh, had struck him. It, it, he, he looked around, and uh, at the rafts, there were no chocolate, no wrappers. His gaze paused on Mac, and the sergeant looked back at him with wide, guilty eyes. The realization that Mac had eaten all of the chocolate uh, rolled hard over Louis, says Hillenbrand. In the brief time that Louis had known Mac, the tail gunner had struck him as a decent, friendly guy, although a bit of a reveler, confident to the point of flippancy. The crash had undone him. Louis knew that they couldn't survive for long without the food, but he quelled the thought. In other words, he understood that Mac had acted in panic, and he reassured Mac that they'd soon be rescued. They all thought that they would be rescued. No one had ever survived in a raft beyond 20-something days. They would be in a raft for 47 days, and they would float all the way to uh, Japan. What do you do when someone consumes all the Hershey's? How do you handle it in your own home when someone drinks from your uh, In-N-Out Burger 44-ounce cup or someone... Uh, drinks from your tea, thinking it was theirs, or someone you know treats themselves to something that you've served. Are you are 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 any of you totally guilty of that? Like I am, I'm the worst at that. And thank you, God bless you. Let's help. Let's get better at that. Let's let's do better. It's it, it's so easy not to think of others, but when you're in a life-and-death situation, you would expect Mac to think of his other two fellows. He didn't. He was in a panic. He thought all about himself. And Louis was gracious. Louis was gracious. Oh, it's so hard to be gracious. What would you have done if you were, if you were Louis in that raft and Mac had eaten all the chocolate reserves? Tell your neighbor what you would have done. There's sharks in the area. You could feed Mac to the sharks. Tell your neighbor what you would have done straight up. You could have punched him again. More applied psychology. What would you have done? Given him a hug? Come here, Mac. You must have really needed that chocolate. But are we not faced with these kind of situations all the time where we need to be the person that actually offers the rope to somebody else, where we're the person that extends the rope to someone else, where we're the grace giver. We've received tremendous grace, and now we're asked to simply extend the rope to somebody else. We're asked to show them grace. See, that's the biggest challenge of being a Christ follower, I not only have to accept the challenge of, of putting my trust in his once-for-all suffering for all my sin, that it's not by my own works, it's just by my justifying faith in his grace on Calvary that puts me at peace with God. But then it gets challenging. I'm asked to extend the rope and show that kind of grace to other people. Oh, my word. How many of you are ready to leave now? This is no longer a fun message. God wants us to be gracious to others. Now, 
look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It's on page 813 in our Adventure Bibles. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit. The word their benefit is grace, charis, that it may charis those who listen. How many of you think that you need to write that on your arm all week long this week? That you need to, you so easily can offer good, a good applied psychology to someone. You're much more gifted at that than you are providing someone grace. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to show grace and love. I did something this last month that I thought was stupid. I scheduled a doctor's appointment in January. I don't know why I did that. It just, I said yes, and I didn't want to go to the doctor. I was way too busy, and I complained about it in the office. I told Diane, I don't want to go to the doctor. I thought about canceling it, and I thought, well, that's not very nice to them. They've scheduled this, and I thought about not going, and I thought, that's really not nice. That's not a good example. And then I had this crazy thought. I really thought, okay, I'm going to go. Maybe my doctor needs me. I'm not kidding. I thought, maybe my doctor's having a hard day. I really thought that. And I went to the doctor's appointment, and I, I went in there, and I really respect this doctor, a great guy, and sat down, and uh, he said from his monitor, he was checking out my whatever, and he goes, you know, if, if we had a few minutes, I'd like to pick your brain. And I responded, uh, it won't take you as long as you think. <laughs> and he walked over, and he shut his door, and he said, what do, what do they call you? I'm like, a pastor. Okay. And he sits down, and he just opens up. He just, I mean, he just opens up, tells me everything that's going on in his life. I just listen. He was done. He got up, went back to his monitor, and I said, sir, did you just want me to listen? He said, nope, I do not open up like that. I want direction. And I was like, oh, my. I said, I literally said out loud, God, you give me your words. So I, I applied the Bible to his situation. I said, here's what the Scripture says on that. 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 And then I said, would you like me to pray for you? He said, oh, I'd like that. So he reached out his hand, and I prayed for him in Jesus' name. And he got up, and he goes, oh, I feel so much better. Thank you so much. Went to the door, opened it up. We were on. I was, I was patient. He was doctor. Everything changed right over that. There are times when I don't want to give. I don't want to be at the doctor's office, but maybe God has me in a tough situation because he wants me to extend some rope to someone that needs it. And I wasn't fishing for anything. I'm not needy to talk to people. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm not looking for a conversation all the time. I'm more sometimes worried about keeping my green grass taken care of. I mean, sometimes I'm not that spiritual. But, man, God sometimes gives us an opportunity really to extend rope to people, to really love them, to really extend grace. I want to I wanna encourage you this morning. Be a grace giver, like Louis was with Mac. And put yourself in vulnerable situations where that can happen. One of, the, one of the opportunities we have at Adventure is for you to connect with some other guys or some other gals in a, in a, in a community group. 
And we have a variety of these. Sometimes they're men's groups. Sometimes they're couples. Sometimes they're, uh, we actually have groups of bicyclists that go out and bicycle up to 100 miles uh, in a day. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, me either. They, they're, but they just hang out together. And I want to encourage you. These are, uh, we're signing up for these today. If you're not, like, serving anywhere at Adventure, I want to encourage you to consider getting in a group. It's in a group where you're going to enjoy people extending rope to you, and you're going to get to do the same. Uh, it's, they're fantastic. I want to encourage you to sign up for one. How do you live life, a life full of grace? One is you, 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 you take the rope of the cross and you just enjoy living at peace with God because of what Jesus did, nothing to do with what I do just his event. Secondly, you extend that rope to others. You show them grace. I want you to hear from Louis here one final piece. I think you're going to see how God's grace was very evident in how he handled life's deepest challenges. The tougher times you go through and you, and you, you corral the tough time and overcome it, yeah, you become a stronger and better person. So if you want to become a stronger and better person and a problem comes up, go for it. Take the bull by the horns and overcome it, and then you become more and more hardy. Trouble is today, people are confronted with a problem and they give up. They don't try to overcome it. It's like a running a race. You, 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 gotta, you run to win. And if you want to win in your married life or your problems in your life, you've got to take the bull by the horns and, and uh, go for it. So to me, that's hardiness. And uh, that's when I signed my books, I put down the name of the person and I put down there, be hardy. There's a moment in one of the characters in the Bible, Paul, most influential person. He's a first century Zamperini, and he complains that life is too tough. He says, I got this thorn. There's this thing happening. He uses the thorn as a metaphor. There's this difficulty I'm having. It is too much for me. I can't deal with this. And Jesus, he asked Jesus to remove it. And Jesus graciously says, no. (laughs) He says, Jesus literally says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, then, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. What are you going through now that is overwhelming to you? You may be considering a let go of the rope. You may be considering uh, going a different direction. What about the other option? The other option of realizing that that same power that resurrected his body from the dead lives in me and can give me the endurance that we've seen in Louis's life, 
the endurance that we see in Paul and Christ's life, the strength, the discipline, the love, and the power to do anything. It's so easy to look at your own skill set to kind of marginalize yourself because of your own abilities instead of saying, hey, you know what? It's really not about me. It's about Christ who lives in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. If God puts me up to something, I can do it. Not because I'm some hero. I can do it because Christ lives in me. He's called me to it, and I can trust his power to get me through it. Folks, this morning, I've tried to answer the question, how do I live by God's grace? Well, firstly, you take the rope. Look for the rope. Look for it all the time. Look for it in sales meetings. Look for it in uh, relationship conflicts. Look for it in, uh, in a search of every kind. Secondly, share the rope. And don't be surprised that when it's time to share the rope, you don't feel like sharing the rope. You don't want to see the doctor. And then lastly, trust the rope. You remember what Louis did when, when he found the rope. He tied it around his waist. And I, to me, that's, that visual really captures what it means to, like Paul, to understand that Jesus' uh, grace is perfected in my own weakness. When I trust that rope that I'm connected to him, I can get through anything that he's called me to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an example. Thank you for uh, a life of grace. Help us apply the doctrine of the cross, not just to our pardon, but to the way we treat others and to the way we rise up and are hardy in our own personal challenges. If you're here today and you've never taken the rope for the first time, trusted in Christ, I want to challenge you right from where you're seated to say right now, privately, If you're ready to take the rope from the cross, to just say, Jesus, I take take the rope of your sacrifice on that cross for my sins. I take it. I want it. And if you're here today and you find yourself to be a, a very ungracious person, you want to be, you know that there are people in your lives that have been eating Hershey bars, uh, to their hurt and the hurt of those around, and you're struggling to show them grace. I, I want to ask you to simply pray, God, help me, help me share the rope. And if you're here and you're facing a difficulty that is asking you to be someone who trusts Christ more, I want to challenge you to simply pray, God, help me trust in you more in my situation. Help me trust the rope. Your strength that is perfected in my weakness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.